Hello and welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. I'm Tom Rebeck and here today with me is Ibrahim Kassaji and we're going to talk about the the slightly surprising news that Ericsson is selling or if selling is the right word is um, Ericsson selling its IoT unit to to Aeris. Um, the news that was announced on Wednesday of this week, the 7th of December. So, um, Ibrahim, maybe you just start off by summarizing the, the main points of this deal. Yeah, so um, in case anyone isn't aware, Aeris is a USA-based IoT connectivity provider, or MVNO. Um, it's been active in the IoT space uh, for quite a long time. Um, and Ericsson announced that it, it was selling its IoT business, which consists of its IoT accelerator platform and its connected vehicle cloud business uh, to Aeris. So that was on Wednesday, 7th of December. So they didn't disclose the exact financial details, but Ericsson did say it would lead to a one-off loss of over uh, 1 billion Swedish kroner, which is over 100 million US dollars. And Ericsson also said that uh, it was having quarterly losses of around 24 million US dollars from the IoT unit. So in other words, uh, uh, Ericsson IoT was losing about 100 million US dollars a year uh, and Aeris is taking that over. We don't know the, exactly what Aeris paid, uh, if anything, um, but uh, that's kind of uh, where it is now. And the deal is expected to conclude in the first quarter of 2023. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, so we don't know actually if they paid anything, anything for it. it. It may be that they handed it over. It may be that they even... Th- there's, there's some Ericsson giving some financial support for for Eris, um, uh, and I think there is some suggestion in the press release that Ericsson's going to give some support to Eris as it takes over and for the transition and so on. Um, so, so let's think about uh, why this happened. So, first of all, look at it from from the Ericsson perspective. So, why why do you think Ericsson uh, has sold this this unit? Yes. Yeah, so, so as we already mentioned, it was making a loss of about 100 million a year on this unit, which is quite considerable. Um, and, and Ericsson has, you know, it's put quite a lot of time and effort into IoT going back quite a few years. So, so what the IoT accelerator platform, um, so it started out after Ericsson acquired Telenor's M2M platform in 2011. Uh, it, it, it became the Ericsson device connection platform, DCP. Uh, for quite a few years, then later renamed as IoT Accelerator. Um, but I think Ericsson has kind of decided that with these ongoing losses, it wasn't able to reverse the losses and make the unit profitable. And then it kind of had two options. So so either it could just fully close down the unit or it could look for a new owner. Now, if it fully closed down the unit, it could upset the, the, the 35 plus operators that are already using the platform. Uh, and, you know, Ericsson already has relationships ongoing with those operators even after disposing of IoT. So so that would be a big negative for them. So I think they've decided instead to to you know to sell it to whoever's willing to buy it and, and Aries has come in and done so. Yeah, so I think in in a sense it's sort of good portfolio management like any business if you've got a, a, a part of your business which isn't making money and it has no prospect of, of of making money, then like you say you've got two options, haven't you? Either close it down or see if somebody else is willing to take it over. Um, I guess for Ericsson, really closing it down, like you say, given that the the operators who are using the platform are going to also be some of their big customers. So um, just looking at the article that you wrote, obviously we'll put a link to this article um, in in the show notes. But but some of the customers to Ericsson IoT include some really big operators, China Mobile, Deutsche Telekom, um, obviously Telenor, still Telia, Telstra. So so some big names in there that that Ericsson doesn't want to uh, 
doesn't want to get on the wrong side of. So let's think of it from the other perspective. Um, what's in it for Aeris? Why did they agree to this deal? Yeah, so for Aeris, it's quite a it's quite a bold step for them, um, and it's going to be a big increase in scale for them. So it's an opportunity for them to jump up. So they currently manage about 15 million IoT devices. They're going to inherit 95 million from Ericsson's platform. So so they'll now have over 100 million uh, IoT devices managed, and they've gone from managing 400 enterprise customers to 9,400. Uh, when you take the 9,000 from Ericsson. So for Aries, uh, it, it's it's kind of a quite unique opportunity for them to scale up in a way we haven't seen from previous IoT MVNOs. Um, and and yeah, so it's also going to change how Aries sells. So, so previously, it mainly sold directly to enterprises, uh, particularly automotive uh, OEMs. So it's very strong in the automotive sector, uh, mainly focused on the US. Um, but now it's going to not only be selling direct to enterprises, but it's also going to be selling platform solutions to to operators. So it represents a, a new revenue stream and, and and potentially new partnerships for Aeris. Um, and, and and I guess it's also acquiring Ericsson's um, connected uh, vehicle cloud unit, which will um, you know complement the existing capabilities that Aeris has in automotive. Yeah, like you say, it's a massive it's a massive opportunity, but a massive massive risk just changing. Yeah. The scale of the business, sort of ten times more. I mean, not quite ten times more connections, but but getting on for that, and, and more than ten times more uh, customers. I mean, I guess actually, it's really dealing through the the telecoms operators. So yes, there are nine thousand end user customers, but most of those are managed by the uh, by the telecoms operators themselves. But a very big, very big change in in the scale of the business and in in terms of the business model. Um, so maybe just following on from that, what do you see as the key challenges for for Aris? The big one is definitely going to be how it manages to step up in scale. Um, so, so Aris is going to take on all of Ericsson IoT's employees. It's going to have to integrate this big IoT accelerator platform uh, with its own. Uh, so Aris has its own connectivity and device management platform. So, so how does it kind of integrate the two together? Um, you know, how will it work with its, its existing automotive customers? Will they go onto the other platform or stay on the current? Um, and, and, and just a step up of, of going from 400 customers to 9,400 is, is, is a big step up. There's going to be different types of customers. So as we said, Aris is, is very focused on automotive uh, and, and quite US focused. It's now going to have to think about uh, customers in all sorts of uh, verticals uh, and all sorts of geographies, which it doesn't have that much experience in. So, so, so it's going to be a lot of a lot of change and um, a lot of uh, yeah, a, a big step up in terms of scale. Um, so, so that would be the first challenge. I think the other one is how its relationship with uh, operators is going to evolve. So, so currently, Aries is a competitor in some aspects to to uh, IoT operators, though not as much as, as as some of the other connectivity providers that we, that we focus on, say a wider logical core. So those players they tend to be more in the picture for, for global IoT connectivity contracts. Aries uh, it does to some extent, but uh, as we said, it, it, it's mainly been focused on the USA, and that's where most of its connections are to date. But but even so. Uh, Aries is going from just being a connectivity provider and, and a wholesale customer of, of, of operators for, for wholesale connectivity. It's now going to be both a connectivity provider and a platform provider. So that's potentially creates some sort of conflict and, and you know, Aries will have to convince Yemenos that it is a viable platform provider. Um, and 
you know, it may even decide to to uh, reduce its focus on the connectivity side, or or even get out of the connectivity business altogether, and just leave that to the MNOs, and and, and just focus on the platform side. Um, so so that's going to be a challenge, I think. Yeah, if it, it feels to me, uh, yeah, yes, Aris does a little bit compete with with some of the other operators, but but as as you said, it's it's mostly a US business. So for most of the customers from the Ericsson business, they're not really going to be head to head against um, to Aris. They won't have been head to head in the past, and they probably won't be in the future. Like I, I listed some of them earlier, so um, most of them not. And I mean, I'm not sure if any of them are actually in in the US. So I I, I think we. We don't want to overstate the risk of competition between the two. Yeah. It feels to me the biggest problem about the relationship with MNOs is they have gone from working with Ericsson um, and uh, for all the for all possible faults about Ericsson, it's obviously a massive it's a massive company. It's a big supplier to them. They knew if there was a problem with the platform, they could get on the phone and get get things get things sorted out. Um, now it's going to a much smaller company that they may not have had dealings with in in, in the past um and there's obviously this the, this the, the financial position if it was losing money at, at ericsson and losing quite a lot of money year on year it's a big risk now it's with with ericsson a big risk for for those operators to stick with this platform they'll want to be convinced that eric uh, that eris can make a make a go of it make it a, a viable platform business in the long term in a way that ericsson clearly couldn't yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And 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 I guess I'd also say for those MNOs, there's plenty of other choices. If if uh, if they're unconvinced by Aris, they've got you know Cisco or uh, uh, Nokia or Software yeah. AG. You know, there's loads of other IoT platform providers, uh, or some of them like Telefonica could just focus more on their own platform. Yeah. Um, so um, so yeah, in, in that sense, uh, it, it won't be easy for Aris to to convince the MNOs that. Uh, you know, it's going to be a stable place, a stable platform, and and it's going to be able to meet all the requirements of these various MNOs from uh, from all over mm. the world. I think that's a good point. I think part of the risk of, or part of the challenge that Ericsson's always had with the with the platform was that the challenge was getting MNOs, convincing MNOs to move all of their SIMs onto their platform. Because actually, we know quite often they were working with two or three or maybe even four different platforms. So they may be working. I think Telenor was the case. It was working with. Um, it was working with Ericsson. It was working with Cisco. I think it had an internal platform as well. Um, so they had the option of, of switching these these the, the sims. They uh, they could choose where they where they put the sims, which platform they put it on, um, which meant that the Ericsson platform maybe didn't have the scale that Ericsson wanted for it. And it's kind of a catch twenty two that if you don't have enough scale, then the costs are going to be higher than you want. But and if the costs are going to be higher than you want, then you can't convince others to to move their sims onto onto the platform. To maybe go. To, I mean, I, I think it just just looking at your article, the the other challenge for Aris is clearly about the financial position and reversing the financial losses, taking this business that's been unprofitable and, and turning it into a profitable business. Now, yeah, yeah, and, and and I guess it poses a question that you know if Ericsson couldn't make it profitable. Uh, and Ericsson clearly has advantages over Aris. It's it's much bigger. It's much more well known. It probably has a lot more uh, go-to-market channels and partners. But despite all that, Ericsson couldn't turn it profitable. So the question is for Aris: What can it do differently uh, uh, to, to turn it profitable? Um, I guess the one advantage Aris does have is that it's fully focused on IoT. Whereas mm. for Ericsson, IoT was you know one percent of its total revenue. So there, there may be areas where Aries can improve the platform and make investments, which which Ericsson may not have had the flexibility uh, to do so. Yeah, potentially it can move as a as a smaller company, not 
it doesn't have the the, 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 the massive systems that Ericsson has, so it can move a bit, a bit, a bit more nimble, move a bit quicker. Um, which I think was one of the criticisms from the operators of the Ericsson platform in the past that it wasn't yeah. able to respond to changes quickly enough. Um, just, just finally, what, what are your thoughts on the broader implications for the market of this of this deal? Yes, yeah, so I think it's quite. Uh, it's a sizable deal. It's very ambitious. So we, we haven't really seen anything like it in terms of an, an, an MVNO, a connectivity provider, acquiring a, a much bigger a much bigger firm. So I think it says something about the ambitions of some of these IoT MVNOs. They're not content to just uh, mm. be connectivity providers, bit part players. Uh, they're willing to take risks to to become platform providers and um, you know to kind of step into the to yeah. new territory uh, so to speak yeah uh, I, I, but probably it also yeah like you're right i think it says something about the connectivity business we know it's very competitive margins can be very thin there are well, uh, tens twenties probably probably more than 50 uh, reasonable sized iot connectivity providers so it's a, it's a it's a difficult business whether it's the the platform play there are still quite a lot of players there but it's a bit less less competitive yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the point is kind of the relationship between MNOs and MVNOs is constantly evolving mm-hmm. um, in various ways. So we've seen some uh, some MNOs are uh, acquiring MVNOs, so NTT with Transitel. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing uh, Deutsche Telekom have a minority stake in once. Uh, we're seeing firms like Telus uh, partnering with SI. So uh, we're seeing quite an evolution of how MNOs view uh IoT MVNOs, particularly the larger ones, and it'll be interesting to see how that relationship evolves over time. Um, you know, Aerospin data is an example of that. Yeah, it's true, and we've written in the past about other MVNOs sort of changing their model to become more technology platform providers back to the MNOs. So it's not just them buying wholesale capacity from the MNOs, but they're also providing technology, which is then used by the MNOs in their in their system. So it's sort of not unique in that in that respect. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Ibrahim. Um, as I said earlier, the this is based on an article that we published this week. So we'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. And of course, there's plenty more on IoT on our website. If you'd like to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. We also welcome your comments, feedback and reviews. Thank you for listening.